This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 13th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The price of gas was the story of the summer for many working Americans, but some inefficiencies in the gas market are caused by, guess what? The Jones Act, a century-old law that has all manner of negative effects for average people. Cato's Colin Grabo details the ins and outs of how the Jones Act screws up the markets for oil and gas. I don't know if you heard, uh, but the United States had this spate of very high gas prices. I'm familiar. Okay. So they came down a little bit, uh, but it's worth sort of understanding where those pressure points are and the degree to which our own policies are contributing to uh, what otherwise would be a blip uh, in uh, gas prices. So what what does your research tell us? So we think about um, gas prices. There are a number of factors that, that, that drive these things, a number of dynamics. Uh, one factor that, that you have to take into account is transportation. The United States um, is a big producer of refined products like gasoline, um, but there's some distortions in this market that result in a lot of this gasoline, instead of being exported from our refineries on the Gulf Coast to, say, the East Coast, they go to Latin America instead. And the East Coast, instead of buying what they need from the Gulf Coast, will turn to other uh, sources like Europe. Uh, a big reason for this is the Jones Act. Uh, the Jones Act, the Merchant Marine Act of 1920, which says that only vessels that are U.S. built, uh, U.S. flagged, and mostly U.S. crewed and owned can transport goods uh, within the United States. These ships are very expensive. There are shipping rates are very expensive, and there's a real disincentive to use them. So this kind of manifests itself in a dislocation in in energy flows. So we have these distortions where we end up, uh, you know, importing where we unnecessarily, uh, where we could otherwise buy domestically and exporting. Um, so this is basically an inefficiency in the market, uh, and ultimately that translates itself into higher gas prices. Where does the U.S. export to? So a lot of it goes to Mexico, Latin America. Uh, that's that's where a lot of the stuff product out of the Gulf Coast goes to. All right. So the comparisons between, say, Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico in terms of our exports are what? So this is very interesting. Uh, I recently did a comparison of Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Puerto Rico is, of course, part of the United States and therefore subject to the Jones Act. The Dominican Republic is not. And what we found, these, these are, you know, uh, they're neighbors, uh, I think 150 miles apart, something like that. Um, and the Dominican Republic buys huge amounts of energy from the United States. Uh, it buys a majority of the liquefied natural gas that it uses from the United States, the majority of fuel oil from the United States, uh, propane from the United States. And if you look at Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico buys very little uh, fuel oil from the United States. It buys zero, uh, buys no uh, liquefied natural gas from the United States, and it buys no liquefied propane from the United States, despite the United States being the world's largest exporter of propane. And actually, this year, we became the world's largest exporter of LNG. Uh, the reason for this is the Jones Act. We know this uh, with a great deal of certainty in the case of LNG and propane because there are no Jones Act ships to transport it. It's literally impossible to send it to Puerto Rico. Um, so this is this is hugely distortionary and it suggests that Puerto Rico is paying uh, higher costs than otherwise would be the case for the energy it uses. So where are they getting their LNG from? So the majority of uh, uh, Puerto Rico's LNG comes from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, we've seen in past years they get occasional cargoes from from Europe. 
uh, some from Africa. Uh, and in fact, over this year, uh, there was a cargo that came all the way from Oman. So Puerto Rico is importing LNG from halfway around the world, and it can't get it from, from the U.S. mainland. When we think about uh, Ukraine and Europe's access to energy, you know, I'm hearing these horror stories about what is to come in uh, England for the cut price of home heating oil, um, at, at, you know, and other energy sources that they that they normally would get from Russia. And uh, Europe, like the Dominican Republic, is not subject to the Jones Act. So it shouldn't be super complicated for the U.S. to just ship products at a reasonable cost to Europe that they would they would want, in particular energy. Uh, but how might the fact that uh, the way the United States functions with regard to our energy supplies and how inefficient our uh, supply chains are because of the Jones Act, how might that impact the price of energy in Europe? Yeah, I I do think that the the impact, you know, obviously the greatest obstacle is the fact that we just can't get the LNG out the door uh, fast enough. We just don't have the export facilities to get all the natural gas we have uh, to Europe. But I do think that Jones Act introduces some, uh, you know, modest distortions in the international market. Uh, you mentioned earlier, for example, Trinidad and Tobago, as well as New England, uh, imports LNG from uh, from. The Trinidad and Tobago, and you know, I think it's 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 reasonable to speculate that in the absence of the Jones Act, a lot of that LNG going from Trinidad and Tobago to New England, going to Puerto Rico, uh, could instead flow uh, you know more efficiently to Europe. Uh, so I think there are dislocations that are introduced by this law, and and it just reduces the overall efficiency of of global markets. What were major oil producers saying during this price uh, spike in gas in the United States and? I mean, clearly they understand what the what the bottlenecks are. Yes. So, of course, when gas prices were spiking, a lot of people wanted to make energy uh, companies out to be the villains in this. And they think that uh, this is just a, a product, of course, of greed. And uh, the response from energy companies was, well, well, let's look at some of the policies that are driving this. Um, I believe ExxonMobil put out a statement earlier this summer. Uh, and, and among the... Uh, policies that it noted that contribute to higher gas prices, it mentioned the Jones Act and that uh, waivers of the Jones Act would uh, be one means of trying to mitigate uh, some of some of these uh, increases in gas prices that we experienced. What about domestic supplies of energy for, you know, where places where it gets cold? Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's September now. Winter is coming. Uh, and New England, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, they're highly dependent on natural gas for their uh, energy needs. And New England does not have enough pipeline capacity to transport natural gas from other parts of the United States. So instead, they have to use uh, ships bringing it in liquefied form in LNG. And again, uh, U.S. LNG, because of the Jones Act, is off limits to New England. So when they go looking uh, for supplies, uh, the world's leading exporter is not available to them. They have to look elsewhere. Uh, and late in late July, uh, New England's six governors sent a letter to uh, Secretary of Energy uh, Granholm asking uh, under what conditions the Jones Act might be waived or suspended so they could gain access to American LNG uh, when winter comes and demand for heating and energy spikes. 
Colin Grabo is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 